Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. So I thought it was only fitting that I do the same. Y'all, isn't that the cutest boy you've ever seen? I have another photo of him. Look at him. Look at his eyes. Do we have any dog people in the house? Okay, heard. Do we have any cat people in the house? All right, so there's going to be an altar call at the end of service for all of you. Just kidding. We make Jesus accessible to anyone, even the cat lovers. A little bit about uh, this guy. His name is Theodore Anakin Garcia. I wanted to him Anakin because, you know, Star Wars, I love that. But look at his face. He is a sophisticated, poised young man. So I had to give him a good name. A little bit about him is he is six months old. His love language is physical touch, but quality time is a close second. He will do anything for a belly rub and for a bone, but pray for the man. He still ain't saved. Y'all, he's heard this sermon about six times. He still don't love Jesus. I took him to a dog park, you know, to get community, to get fellowship. He was not about it. He didn't like it. But to be honest, I don't know what I expected when I got a dog. I got a dog because I'd been living alone for a year, and I thought, it's time for me to love on something, to take care of something. But what no one told me was how difficult it would be to train him. Now, I'm not talking about potty training. That was fine. I've trained him how to sit down, how to roll over, how to fist bump, you know, the basics. But behavioral training, guys, is a whole different story. When I tell him to get off the couch, he jumps on the bed. When I tell him to come in the house, he's going to go to the yard. When I tell him to put down that sock, he swallows it. Real story. This happened last week. I'm not healed from it, so I can't talk about it. (laughs) But what is something that I didn't have to teach him was his unwillingness to obey. Something I didn't have to teach him was for him to do what he wanted to do. Doesn't that sound a little bit like our relationship with God? Now, please don't get me wrong. I am not calling you a dog. Don't go to Pastor JJ when he comes back and say, you let that Puerto Rican call us a dog. That is not what I'm trying to talk about today. But what I am trying to talk about is obedience. Romans 7, 15 through 19. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. And this verse, Paul is being very honest about wanting to do what is right, but he's struggling. He doesn't want to do that sin or that action, but he does it anyways. I think we can all agree with Paul that this obedience thing is not easy. Denying ourselves of our desires is not easy. Saying no to things that we have said yes to for years is not easy. How do I know? because obedience is controversial. We live in America, the most independent country in the world, where the most popular phrases are, do what makes you happy or do whatever feels right. A culture that says, who are you to tell me what's right and what's wrong? 
Even now, you're probably listening to me thinking, I didn't come to church today for you to tell me the difference between what's right and what's wrong. I came to get my once a week encouragement so I can get fueled up and then I'll come back next week to do the same thing. And you know what? I get it. Obedience is not a topic that anyone wants to talk about. This is not even a topic I wanted to preach about. I literally went to the Lord and said, do I have to? Can I talk about anything else? This is not a topic that's fun or popular or what the people wanted to hear. But then I stopped and I asked myself, why is this necessary for me to talk about? Why is obedience so hard for us to do? Well, if you grew up in church like me, church taught us that we have to obey God. We have to be pure. We have to be abstinent. We have to love God. Even when people say, you have to do this, immediately our response is, I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. I have to is an immediate trigger and an indication of what we truly feel about obedience. Or maybe you're like, Paul, you want to walk in obedience, but it's so hard. And because it's so hard to do, we give up on it. But I have a theory as to why obedience is hard for us to walk in. Because obedience is undesirable. We feel like it's taking from us. We feel like it's something we constantly have to give up or walk away from. We are more focused on what God is trying to take from us instead of what God is trying to give to us. And then we look at obedience more as a burden rather than a blessing. An indication that you feel this way is you probably see the Bible as more as a rule book rather than a resource. Or you see religion rather than relationship. Obedience is undesirable because we believe that it's only about saying no to the bad things. It's only about saying no to the things you shouldn't be doing, or the places you shouldn't be, or the things you shouldn't say. But people often forget that obedience is also about saying yes to the good things that God is wanting to give you. But you can't say yes to the good things if you don't know how to say no to the bad things. The two cannot coexist without each other. So if you're in this room and you're asking yourself, God, do I have to? Do I have to let this relationship go? Do I have to quit this job? Do I have to move out of this city? Do I have to sell my house? Do I have to forgive that person? Do I have to let go of how they hurt me? Well, if you're asking yourself that question, then this sermon is for you because my title is, Do I Have To? Do I Have To? My prayer, my hope, and my desire is at the end of the sermon, you don't see the responsibility of obedience as something that weighs you down, but rather as something that lifts you up. That you realize the gift and beauty that comes in walking in obedience to God. But in order to reframe and redirect our belief about obedience, we first have to do three things. The first thing is you have to know who God is. Exodus 4, 10 through 12. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. If you're not familiar with the book of Exodus, God's people were in captivity for 400 years. But now God was getting ready to set his people free, and he chose a man named Moses to do this call. But we just read Moses' response to God. 
And what's obvious is that Moses was feeling extremely inadequate. What's obvious is he felt that he did not have what it took to get the job done. But what's not so obvious is what his inadequacies were really saying. Moses' inadequacies communicated how he really felt about God. How do we know? Because God didn't even affirm Moses. He didn't respond by telling Moses, you're so great, I've called you, you're set apart for this. God responded, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? He goes on to say, I will be with you. I will instruct you in what to say. God told him that he is the one with the power and the authority and he is the same God that's gonna be aiding with him and walking with him throughout the way. So if Moses truly knew who God was, do you think he would have pushed back as hard as he did? I want you to ask yourself today, your response to obedience exposes how you feel about God. So how are you responding? When God is asking you to step into the calling he has given you, to start that business, to close that door, to write that book, to lead that person, to join that team, to preach that message, to pray that prayer, to forgive that wrong, to surrender that wound, whatever your response is to what he's telling you, it communicates more about how you feel about God rather than how you feel about you. Anybody in the room ever been to Wet Wild? Raise your hand. Yeah. I know it's old, I know it's old, it's closed down now. If you've never been to Wet Wild, it's basically like a jank version of Aquatica, okay? And the reason why I say that is because anyone who's been to Wet Wild has a horror story of how they almost died. Come on, let's keep it real. I went to Wet Wild when I was about 13 years old, my entire family. A little bit about me is I grew up with four older brothers. So I knew that when we went to Wet Wild, they were gonna wanna go on the craziest rides. And y'all better believe I was not about to look like a punk in front of my brothers, okay? So I came all like big chested and ready to go and I was saying yes to all the crazy rides. But then in the middle of the day, I done met my match. They wanted to go on this ride where like you sit on a raft, but basically the ride was like a slide on steroids, okay? It goes like this, like. Do you see what I mean? Do you remember? You remember what I was talking about? It's so scary, but it didn't look that bad. It didn't look that bad originally. But as I got closer for it being my turn on the ride, I got more and more terrified. I was shaking in my boots, y'all. But then out of nowhere, this giant Puerto Rican, AKA my father, emerged from the line and decided to go on the ride with us. I was so happy. I was like, come on, daddy. I was ready to go on the ride after that. But what always surprised me is that my dad showed up the moment I needed him most without me ever having to say a word. And you know what I believe? I believe that my dad knew I was afraid. I believe that he felt in his spirit that I needed him. I'm not a parent, but those close to me say that they can just feel when their child needs them, that they know when their child needs them to show up for them the most. Anyone, any parent can testify to that today? I know that that's true for my mama. I'll be boohoo crying in my house and she calls me right at that moment ready to listen to me. But I have to make something clear. Just because my dad showed up, just because he was there for me, it did not make me any less afraid to get on the ride. 
It still didn't take away the action of me having to conquer my fear to get on the ride and to get the job done. So I have to clarify something today. If God has called you to do something, like buy that house, even though it doesn't make sense for this season of life, or he's calling you to change careers because he has a purpose for your life, or he's asking you to start tithing the 10% that belongs to him, or to leave that relationship that doesn't honor him, whatever it is that God is asking you to walk in obedience in, if you are waiting for you to not be afraid in order to step out, you will always be waiting. If you are waiting for you to feel ready, or to feel called, or to feel equipped, you will probably be waiting for the rest of your life. Because we will always feel that we aren't well-spoken enough, we don't have enough money, we don't come from the right background, we don't have enough degrees under our belt. Obedience is undesirable because we feel inadequate. We will use our deficiencies to keep us down and keep us bound to who we were rather than who God is creating us to be. You want to know what made the difference for me to get on that ride? It's because when I looked at my father, he was the strongest man in the world to me. Superman had nothing on my father. But when I stopped focusing on who I was and what I was lacking, I started focusing more on who he is and what he obtained, then I started believing that about myself too. We say to ourselves, I don't have what it takes, but maybe it's not about the what, it's about the who. And I can guarantee your what isn't greater than your who. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Some of you in this room need to start boasting about your weaknesses. I'll be the first to admit there are people more talented, more educated, and more eloquent than me. I'll be the first to say that there are a lot more people that can do this and that the closer you get to me, the more imperfections you may find. But the closer you get to Jesus, the more beautiful he becomes, the more evident he is, the more sovereign he is, the more you get to know his beauty and his love and his grace. And anyone in this room who loves Jesus can testify that with him, it only gets sweeter. With him, it only gets better. Why is obedience important? Because obedience helps you get to know God. Psalm 1830, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. How do you get to know God? Well, how do you get to know your boo? You have to pray. You have to talk to him. We don't say pray first because it's cute. We say pray first because it works. Because when you pray, there is power behind the words that you are saying. When you pray, you are bringing the mountains and the situations to the only one who can ever do anything about it. But when you start praying, keep praying. That's the missing element that people tend to forget. God doesn't hear me. I don't feel like he's there. Keep talking to him and I promise you, he will show up in your life. If you don't know how to pray, download pray first on the app store. Or get Pray First by Chris Hodges that we use in our small groups. Just get started. Add five minutes a day and keep adding five minutes and let it keep growing. And then when you're done praying, read your word. The 
Bible is living and it has the power to transform and change your life. Reading the word is like having a date with God. The word tells you the character of who God is and how he kept showing up for his people. So the first thing you have to do is you have to know who God is. Amen? The second step is you have to do it with God. Exodus 14, 12 through 14. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is the part of the passage where Pharaoh finally let God's people go. And as Moses led the Israelites to the desert, Pharaoh changed his mind and decided to send Egyptian soldiers after them to kill them. Let's put ourselves in their shoes for a second. The Israelites got what they wanted. They were set free, but now in their eyes, they were in a situation that was worse than the place that they were previously in. But it only seems worse because now they are in a position of uncertainty and discomfort. They were so quick to change their mind and believe that being in captivity was more convenient than being challenged. They would have rather stayed as slaves because that is what was comfortable. Simply, they wanted to be free, but they didn't want it to be hard. This is the culture that we live in today. We want to get rich, but we don't want to work hard. We want to get jacked and swole, but we don't want to count our macros and work out three to four times in the gym. I'm just keeping it real. We want to be loved, but we don't want to put the work to better ourselves as an individual and for our partner. If I want to be honest today, we want to be free from watching porn, but don't want to put up protective blocks on our phone. We want to be free from alcohol, but we don't want to give up the temporary relief we feel when we drink. We want to walk in obedience, but we don't want to be inconvenienced. Everybody wants deliverance, but nobody wants to be uncomfortable. If we look at Moses' story before God called him out, he grew up in a palace as a beloved prince, but then he fled his home and lived in a desert for 40 years. It cost Moses his pride, his comfort, and his security to get to where he was and then walk in the calling that God had for him. I'm going to show it to you the way that God showed it to me in my head. Can you bring or let Jomar feel the love as he comes on stage today? Do y'all see this rope? Any guesses on what this game is? Tug of war. Amen. You had a childhood. All right. So this is tug of war. In case you never played, the aim of the game is there are two teams. One team has to pull the rope so that the other team can pass a certain point and secure the bag. Now, when we're walking in obedience, it feels a lot like this, except the teams are you versus God. It's your comfort versus his calling, your doubts versus his destiny, your preferences versus his provision, your ways versus his will. This is how the Israelites felt, like it was them versus God. But then Moses had to remind them that God was on their side. So I came here today, that's not you versus God, it's actually you versus you. You decided to do it on your own, or you decided to do it with God. What's the biggest strategy when you play tug of war? You put the strongest person in the back. Did you catch it? The biggest strategy when playing tug of war 
is you put the strongest person in the back. I came here today to tell you that you and God are on the same team. God is a strong person in the back who wants to help you, who wants to help you walk in obedience, who wants to free you. So if you're struggling to love your spouse today, let him help you. If you're struggling with depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts today, let him help you. If you're struggling with forgiveness and anger and resentment, let him help you. You and God are on the same team. Why is obedience important? Because it teaches you to do it with God. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God's intention has always been to be with us, equipping us, delivering us, leading us into his presence. That is what he prefers and that is what he delights in. I believe that's why the game is called tug of war. Because after you play, you're out of breath, your hands have rope burn on them, someone twisted an ankle, you feel exhausted. It was war. It wasn't meant to be easy. And why would we want it to be easy? Ask yourself, is it even worth it if it didn't cost you? Anything in your life that matters comes with a cost. Comfort is the cost of obedience but have hope today. The reward is always greater than the cost. The reward is always greater than the cost. The reward of the Israelites' obedience is in verse 13 through 14. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The reward for your obedience is deliverance. The reward for your obedience is deliverance. But please don't misunderstand me when I say this. We do not serve a transactional God who says, if you do this, then I'll do this. But if he just gave you the deliverance, then how would you ever be changed? When you're playing tug of war, there's a point in the game where it feels like you're losing. Your grip is slipping, the rope is slipping, you feel the other team having gain on you. But then all of a sudden your team gets a second win and you secure the win. And it's the best feeling in the world. But hear me, sometimes it'll feel like you're slipping before God comes and delivers you. Every deliverance is a tie to obedience. The Israelites had to go through it the hard way so they wouldn't go back to what they were used to and think that they did it all on their own. It's hard because God wants you truly delivered. Not a false sense of deliverance, but deliverance that happens in your mind, your heart, and your spirit. So you don't go back to who you were, but you keep stepping towards who he is. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. So to walk in obedience, you have to know who God is. You have to do it with God. And the last step in obedience is you have to step out for God. And the worship team can start coming on stage. Exodus 14, 25 through 27. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. 
Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. So at this part of the passage, the Israelites kept trusting God, but now they ended up at a dead end. They're either going to drown in the Red Sea, or they're going to get killed by the Egyptians. But then we see God asked Moses to do something. He asked Moses to stretch out his hand. Now, I find this very interesting because there's a contrast to what we're seeing now to what happened in the beginning of the passage. When God asked Moses to stretch out his hand, at first he objected, he doubted. But now God asked him to stretch out his hand and he didn't say a word. I believe that in this part of the passage, that is because Moses finally got it. He finally understood the importance of obedience. And then I thought, well, why would God even need Moses to stretch out his hand? He's God. He can part the sea if he wants to, but I believe God used this moment to show us two things. The first was, God was showing Moses how far he had come. Before the Israelites could be set free, Moses had to be set free. Before God can work through you, he's going to work in you. Before God can work through you, he's going to work in you. Moses stretching out his hand was God showing him the growth and the transformation that happened within him. It was for his heart and then God's people. Obedience is meant to change you first. Obedience is meant to change you first. The second thing God was showing was that he was still working and still aligning things for, his, for the people's good. But then as I studied that scripture, I thought to myself again, there's something I kept coming back to, something I couldn't overlook. I thought to myself, what would have happened if Moses didn't stretch out his hand? How would the story have ended? What if Moses would have said, God, do I have to? Do I have to stretch out my hand? What if the walls don't hold? What if it comes crashing down on us as we pass through the sea? Do I have to? But we know how the passage ends. He did stretch out his hand and he obeyed. Then I thought about another part of scripture, Matthew 26, 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. This is Jesus right before he's about to get crucified, and he's asking God, is there any other way? Or in other words, he's asking God, do I have to? Do I have to die this way? Do I have to die the most gruesome and public death ever recorded in human history? Do I have to? But we know how the story ends. Jesus obeyed. So then I thought, if Moses stretching out his hand set all the Israelites free, and Jesus dying on the cross set all of us free, then what impact will you have by stretching out your hand? What impact will you have by stretching out your hand? How many miracles has the world not seen because someone was unwilling to stretch out their hand? Why is obedience so important? Because obedience to God has the power to change the world. Stepping out is the last step in obedience. What are you jeopardizing by not stepping out? generational curses will stay in your family what change will the world not see by you not stretching out obedience doesn't just affect you it affects everyone else around
you. So I came here today to tell you, there's a ministry inside of you that this world needs. There are teachings inside of you that this world needs. There are sermons and songs and albums inside of you that this world needs. But that requires you to step out and stretch out your hands. Hear me. If obedience starts in your heart and it changes who you are, but you don't No, that's motivation. Motivation fades, but obedience frees. Verse 27. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. God provided a solution, but Moses still needed to step into it. Moses had to trust that the solution God provided, that the walls would hold. So with every step that Moses took, it was literally obedience after obedience after obedience after obedience as he walked through the sea. He had to say, God, I trust you. God, I choose you. God, I love you. God, I see you with every single step that he took. There's a quote that I live by. It's, if you don't quit, you win. If you want to play tug of war, if you want to be in this thing called life, if you want to walk in obedience, it's not enough to just want to play the game. It's not enough to just step up to the rope, but you actually have to grab onto the rope and you have to pull it again and again and again and again because saying yes to God is a continuous yes after yes after yes, but that requires you to step out, to step into the promises that he has for your life. So I ask you today, are you going to stand on the sidelines and watch other people get delivered or are you going to step out and watch God move? understand how obedience frees you not only will you say no to the things that don't serve you or the things that don't benefit your spirit you're able to say yes to the blessings that God always had in store for you now you can say yes to that business now you can say yes to that opportunity now you can say yes to your calling now you can say yes to freedom now you can say yes to starting a church in Castleberry Florida that used to be a gambling center but now is a house of freedom Jesus and then and only then will the question do I have to turn into how can I not want to yeah. everyone in this room stand to your feet and bow your heads and close your eyes I'm gonna pray two prayers and the first prayer that I'm gonna pray is for those in this room who don't know Jesus or maybe it's been a long time since you've known Jesus and you want to make that choice today I'm gonna count to three and on three I want you to lift your hand as a physical act of surrenderance to the Lord today one he wants you to get to know who he is two he wants you to do it with him three go ahead and step out for him today raise that hand raise that hand amen glory to God I see that hand I see that hand thank you Jesus everyone in this room we're gonna pray this prayer together we don't want to leave anyone alone father God today I say yes to you I choose your love I choose your mercy I choose your grace today I walk in obedience 
words of saying yes to you. I love you, Jesus. In your holy name I pray, amen. I want to pray another prayer for those in the room who do know Christ as Lord, but they're struggling to walk in obedience today. Father, we thank you so much for the word that you have given your people. I pray, God, that you just allow them right now to get the revelation that obedience is not a burden, but it's a blessing. That when we understand the power of obedience, you set us free from the weight that we try to carry with it, God. That today your people have encountered you, they have seen you, and that they are captivated by your grace today. We love you, Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Can we give it up for those who made their life to Christ today? We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.